many times they're they're bothered by the energy that's around them and it causes activity and they're not really sure they don't even know that they're beacons they don't even know that they possess gifts everybody and welcome to the paranormal portal podcast i'm your host brent thomas thank you all for joining us and special thank you goes out to all of you who continue to support the podcast and continue to spread the word always remember if any of you out there have experiences of your own that you'd like to share feel free to email me at paranormalportalradio at gmail.com again paranormalportalradio at gmail.com and you too could be a guest on the show Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, how you doing out there, everybody, everywhere around the world? Good to talk to you. Good to be here with you. Thank you for joining me and us. And uh, by us, I don't just mean me and my many personalities. I'm talking about my good friend and co-host, the big toe of the Paranormal Portal, Mr. Don Longbeard. How you doing, brother? You know, I, I hope I don't get athlete's foot being the big toe. <laughs> depends on depends on where you put it. I, I guess I guess it also depends on which virus I catch at the time. <laughs> just uh, keep it in your socks and everything yeah, will be fine. Yeah, and my socks are always clean. Thank you. So Absolutely. Anyhow, uh, today's Saturday, isn't it? It's Saturday. Wow. And ladies and gentlemen, we've got a real incredible treat for y'all. Uh, one that we're absolutely pumped and thrilled to bring to the table. This is... Uh, this is our guest's first ex- experience here on the live show. Yeah, with all of you folks. <laughs> and I feel bad for him, but he's, <laughs> he's agreed to enter the portal, so no. We, of course, are talking about uh, the, the amazing and incomparable Lon Strickler of phantomsandmonsters.com, creator and host of Arcane Radio, published author of many books, and uh, he's here to talk about all things paranormal with all of us. So uh, let's uh, give it up for Mr. Lon Strickler, ladies and gentlemen. Yay! Let's give him a There you go. There you go. <laughs> gets, the, gets the standing applause. How you doing, Lon? Thank you so much for coming on, brother. It's great to have you here. Well, thanks for having me on. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. Um, uh, you know, you've been at this for probably longer than any five other people. I mean, this has been a pursuit of a lifetime for you, but I got, you know, if you wouldn't mind, just give the, you know, 30,000 foot overview of what brought you here, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, it all started when I was young. I, um, you know, I, I, I knew I was a bit different when I was younger. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was called, but you know, I, I sensed things. I saw things, you know, things I didn't understand. And uh, it actually started when I really started realizing what was going on. It started back in 19, oh, I guess it was 1967, 68. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I didn't live far from Gettysburg Battlefield. So, you know, I used to ride my bike out to the battlefield. I used to go up 116 and, you know, ride up to the battlefield. And there was one area I really liked was, was the... Uh, the area that was known as uh, the Valley of Death, which was between uh, the Wheatfield Little Round Top and the uh, Devil's Den. Wow. And um, 
one summer afternoon, I was riding my bike on the road. Uh, wasn't a whole lot of people around at that time for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny because the battlefield didn't draw people like it does now. You go to the battlefield now, any any day during nice weather, it's it's just packed with people. Sure. But anyway, I was uh, on my bike, and uh, suddenly it was like a huge TV screen opened up in front of me. Wow. And uh, I started seeing soldiers, hearing gunfire, cannon fire, smelling gunpowder. I mean, the whole nine yards, all my senses were heightened. Mm -hmm. And that lasted for about 30 seconds, I suppose. And then it just faded out. And uh, I'm sitting on my bike dumbfounded by what I just saw. And... um, I just couldn't explain it. But after that, I started to realize that some of the things I had been sensing in, in, you know, over the years, even when I was young, I I started realizing it was it was it was something uh, either sensing spirit energy or seeing things from the past. Mm-hmm. And uh, I still do have many of those abilities, and uh, I've done intuitive work for. I guess after right after I got out of high school, and I've been doing it since. Yeah, it's and it's become obviously a, a, a an incredible career for you, um, as you've been one of the staple voices in the paranormal communities forever. I mean, you're one of the one of the original pillars, I think, and uh, certainly your your site, Phantoms and Monsters, has become a mainstay for a lot of us just to keep up on the on what's going on in the communities <laughs> and, right. and uh, you know just to see what new developments are going on I love I love the fact that not only is it a site about the paranormal but you've also you you, you are a repository for reports right. and you guys investigate as well and I think that that's you know that's quite a trifecta if not more that I you know I may not know of well yeah that evolved um, you know I when I first started out doing the blog, you know, I had collected stories and, and reports for years and years and just had them written down. And, you know, and uh, I, I then started writing for a blog here in the East Coast mm. back in uh, 2004. And then somebody who's a friend of mine told me, he said, you know, you want to start a blog and start putting this stuff out there. Yeah. So that's how it started. And it started really slow. I mean, you know. Uh, I'd say the first four or five years of, of what I wrote isn't even up anymore. It's uh, you know it's so as the as the site got bigger and bigger, I started um, you know I started putting more in there and I started doing more investigating. Uh, though at that time I I became disabled, so I can't do but so much on in oh. the field now. Sure. But, uh, you know, I got into radio with uh, Beyond the Edge Radio with uh, Eric Altman and um, and Sean Forker, and we started doing the show then. And, you know, we got into uh, other shows and Arcane Radio. Then I took over Arcane Radio. So I've been doing the radio now since 2011. All phenomenal. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and, you know, at, you know, we're, we plan on uh, – we plan on evolving more. We plan on uh, branding more and doing more as, and, you know, try to put more out there for the folks. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, but that's where we are now. Then, of course, I had there's a Famous Monsters Fortune Research Team where we get the reports, and uh, we can usually find somebody uh, to go to the locations and uh, do the investigations, and mm-hmm. uh, we report on that. And of course, this all led, you know, this led to the uh, Chicago. Uh, Mothman, Chicago, O'Hara Mothman, Chicago Phantom, whatever you want to call this thing, mm-hmm. these things. And, um, yeah, you know, we've been doing that pretty steady since 2017 now. And that has just gotten weird and weird over the years. You know, that, that whole Mothman phenomenon to me is, is pretty incredible. And I, and I do want to spend quite a bit of time tonight talking about that as you're, as you're willing to. But I, I know there's many things that are in process for you guys as you're actively investigating these, these uh, reports and actively investigating the phenomena. But um, I, I just hope to, throughout the course of these two hours, to have a lot of topics to, you know, that we can discuss. And, and right off the bat, one thing that you, you had already mentioned was that you grew up next to Gettysburg area and mm. i gotta ask you because it, it's always uh, been a compelling thing for me and uh you being a sensitive you probably have a, a lot more insight into this than most but is is most of the activity like when you had that screen open up basically this window into those events was that what do you think that was a time anomaly or was that a psychic impression of the events that happened as in a residual um type of event or do you think that it's an intelligence to all of um this? I think it's all of the above. Be honest with you. Okay. I um I think that encounter I had was like a portal that opened up. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that's the only thing I, I I really have never really figured out what that was. Mm-hmm. But I do have um I do sense a lot of energy when I go onto the battlefield. Uh, I was recently on the battlefield with some friends, and. Uh, I was being bombarded left and right. I didn't say a whole lot. Uh, it, it can be, it, it can be annoying sometimes. Um, you know, and of course when there's a lot of people around, which are were that day, I didn't say a lot, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, it, 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 it does happen. And, you know, I go into certain areas of the battlefield where there's a lot of activity. It's conducive to a lot of activity. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always, I'm always sensing something going on there. And and do you think that the activity that is there is that is that a, a result of of just and I don't mean to sound demeaning in any way but just due to the fact that there was a huge battle there is there or is there a lot of limestone and a lot of uh, quartz content and kind of things that most people attribute to uh you know residual and storing of energy um or is it a culmination of those things? It's kind of a combination, you know, the the uh the the area itself it, people have been to Gettysburg the bedrock is very is very close to the surface, and you go to areas like Devil's Den and places like that, where the granite is just sticking right out of the ground, and it's part of the features of the battlefield. It's like that the whole way through, and um, there is a lot of limestone. There's a lot of quartz in the area, so it's easy. It was easy for the activity there, and the energy, the death, and all that to be imprinted on in the area. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why Gettysburg has such uh, such renowned activity mm-hmm. uh, because it's basically imprinted. Now you you do get a lot of residual there too. You'll, uh, there's certain areas, and that people have documented where people see the same uh, same apparitions and stuff uh, in the woods or in certain parts of the 
of, of the battlefield. Uh, and, you know, people know those areas. But every once in a while, something will pop up that is not well known. And, uh, yeah, it, it does have intelligent energy. And it's very palpable at some points. It just, I, guess, I guess it depends on the situation and who is there to be able to sense it. But, uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, they, they do kind of gravitate to, to people who are sensitive. Yeah, isn't that something that's a yeah. – in, in, as I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people throughout the course of the show, there are, there are so many people that have ability. They know they have some ability, and yet they'll have these incredibly haunted lives. And, and, <laughs> and it's, it is really a beacon, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, yeah, and that's what I call people that are sensitives – and uh, they draw they draw attention from uh, the energies. They're beacons, mm. and uh, you know I run across that a lot, especially with people who have hauntings. Uh, many times they're they are bothered by the energy that's around them, and it causes activity. And they're not really sure. They don't even know that they're beacons. They don't even know that they possess gifts. And uh, mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say that happens at least 50% of the time when I do a, do an investigation. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's amazing, but especially with kids. I mean, I, I do a lot of investigations where, uh, children in the family are, are, are gifted and, um, you know, they're kind of the main focus of these energies. And, uh, I have in the past taken it upon myself to, help them understand with of course with their parents permission to help them understand what it is around them what it is they're sensing and uh yeah you know it's been kind of rewarding for me to do that i want to hear what he has to say about black-eyed kids i personally believe that their possession by non-terrestrial force Hey, uh, Lon, specifically when you talk about kids, um, you know, often we talk about how kids are more open to the world because they haven't uh, had those jaded filters put in their, you know, right. their minds and their eyes. Do you find that to be true? And as they grow and, and develop their own um, paradigms, uh, do they shut that off or can that be something that can be fostered? Is there, have you ever found that there might be ways to just kind of shut them down and cut them off from it? Uh, while they're growing, I mean, because there's been a lot of things that I've said on the show about, you know, not having been in, in, um, uh, nurtured in in the way of seeing things. I had to grow up young when I was young, or I had to grow old when I was young, and yeah. uh, you know, was not able to you know have these uh, um, entertain these fancies that we we I grew out of uh, that I say I grew out of. Um, so, but I mean, do you, do you think that that's, that's a truth that, that kids are more open and as we, you know, we become more jaded and adult, uh, you know, that it goes away or we put it away or something and, and that we can rediscover it. Well, you know, a child's mind is unadulterated until they get older. And, uh, of course, when they start, um, they start realizing, and and you know, a lot of times when they start seeing these things and they show fear, of course, the parents have no idea what's going on. And fortunately, I've been able to help a few of these. And now, sometimes the individual, the child, as they grow, they can kind of filter that out. And uh, but there are other instances as they get older, they just really don't know how to uh, 
to deal with it. And it can tend to be a problem if there's somebody doesn't step in to help nurture it with them. And uh, I, I have seen it a lot. I really have. I mean, I just look at my own self. I, I, you know, I never told my parents anything about what I was seeing or sensing or anything. I don't even know if they ever even had an inkling as to what was going on with me. But, uh, you know, I learned eventually to be able to use it and to kind of grow from it. And um, and as I got older, I thought that maybe this is something that I can help help with. Right. Yeah, I think that that's pretty cool, and and I think you know I've often wondered about that, Lon, that what it, you know what it is, and it, it, because the kids, uh, of course, in haunting situations, kids are the first ones to notice outside of pets. I think pets are the first, mm-hmm. and then come the kids. But th- you hear so many stories of these children having full conversations with with deceased relatives and stuff, or or with or with anybody who have a, a, an apparition that happens to be there, and they they will be able to you know like tell stories, hear stories, and, and have this profound level of communication, which I, I think is is exciting as hell. But but then for some reason, through the years, those gateways just kind of closed down. And these, you know, the, well, some people han- managed to hang on to them like yourself. You, you managed mm-hmm. to keep your openness throughout, you know, past your pubescent uh, changes and stuff and, and into your adulthood. But in many cases, that just shuts down and... and I just, I guess the the thing that I mourn the most about it is I think of all that we stand to, to learn to be able to have a conversation like that with the other side and with those on the other side, and you know what could we learn and what you know what things could we bring back to our world, you know, to help those of us that are here, you know, with the ultimate you know transition that we're all going to make, you know. Well, you know, I, I think many many times as these kids grow. They just suppress a lot of this, um, you know, as they're growing and they're getting into more things, they're going through puberty, they're going through this, they're going through that, they're going to high school, friends, you know, yeah. and they, they just, they just ignore it. And many times that just suppresses all of it. A lot of times it comes back when they get older. Mm. Um, a lot of instances when a child is, is growing and goes through puberty uh, they have a uh, thought form manifestation. Uh, these, these kids are, they're gifted, but th- because of the gifts, they manifest energies that cause poltergeist activity or PK sure. activity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's when I normally go into a situation and start working with uh working with everybody in the family then finding out that's where it's coming from uh you know i i I don't like poltergeist situations because (laughs) frankly yeah it's something i can't take care of it's something that the person who's doing the manifesting has to take care of themselves Mm -hmm. uh a lot of times the situation is where there's some type of um Oh, some type of dysfunction in the family that causes distress and such. And the, the child either resigns himself and then, you know, to the room or to someplace else. And in the meantime, as they're trying to protect themselves mentally, um, hey, these, these energies manifest and, uh, then they become PKs, uh, and, um, 
you know, this uh, this kinetic uh, energy transforms and manifests into something different. And it, it almost resembles an actual spirit, mm-hmm. but it's very strong. And, uh, yeah, those, those situations can get – sometimes it can get pretty dangerous too. Right. Uh, so uh, – but, no, I have been involved with those, and a lot of times it has to do with the child. I, I think that's fascinating because, you know, when you think of a poltergeist situation and the, the idea that it's being projected from a person and is it, is it more of a tulpa than a, than a, than a direct, uh, it's the same thing. I mean, yeah. basically fall form tulpa is about the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, the unconscious mind can do a lot of crazy things, uh, yeah. without the host actually realizing what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's even even in a lot of situations. You know, I, I wrote a, I wrote a book recently that's going to be coming out, the meme humanoids, and basically what it's about is uh, thought projection and thought form uh, manifestation, tulpas, you, you know, of uh, of a concept of a a graphic, you know, just like the Slender Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're seeing all these. Um, these pale crawler humanoids and such have been reported in the past couple of years more and more. And uh, I think a lot of that has to do with uh, possible manifestations through fall forms. Oh, that's, that's kind of comforting, actually. I'm glad you said that because those things freak me out. I'll be, I'll be right honest about that. Something about. Now, I'm not people. saying that's that's what it is in, all the time. Okay. You know, okay. who knows? We might be, you know, we may be seeing the precursors to another uh, species, our humans, humanoid species, mm-hmm. uh, evolving or being able to come through either through a portal or through some type of rift. Uh, I mean, the. the um, the the nexus of these beings is fascinating because we're seeing more and more of it. But I think I, I think the internet has a lot to do with some of this. Oh. And uh, you know that's what I'm I'm that's the point I'm trying to make in the book to a degree. But uh, you know we we've been very aware of this Slenderman phenomena where you know. Uh, especially when you had these the two girls up in Wisconsin who sure. uh, thought this thing was a living being, and they were they tried to kill their friend to appease this thing. Yeah, uh, I, I believe they actually saw or manifested something, and uh, that's the reason they did what they did. Man, ah, that's frightening. Uh, and and again, it's it's it has a lot to do with the unconscious mind in that case. But yeah. and how do you how do you train an unconscious mind? Well. I, I suppose there's ways, but the the interesting thing I, I, with those examples, I think, is the demonstration of the capabilities we all actually have, and and yet we're mm-hmm. still we're still operating in in such a limited fashion. And and how do we open up that PK? And how do we access uh, access the ability to manifest and directly manifest things? And, and I, I just think of the ramifications and the the empowering that that would make for you know for us all, you know. Well, you know, I um, I think we've all are psychic in some degree, uh, and um, I, I believe as time goes on, you know, with quantum computing and and such, and you know, quantum computing is going to be mainstream eventually. And uh, when that happens, I think we're going to be opening up for a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when we started investigating these, these winged humanoids in Chicago, 
that was one one of the thoughts we were we were tackling. Uh, one of the theories that maybe this was something that was uh, coming through because of some type of particle accelerator rift or such. Mm-hmm. Because there, you know, at the uh, Fermi Labs outside of Chicago, there was an accident there about seven years ago. And uh, it's never really been reported fully, though they started back up and they are doing work there. But uh, we took something like that in consideration. Of course, there are a lot of people that are concerned about the CERN collider and uh, what are the consequences of that? Uh, Could that open up a rift of some type? So, you know, of course, we were looking into that. But, you know, that all comes back to we're talking, I mean, talking about quantum computing. If that come, comes to a point where it's commercially viable for people to be able to purchase it. And look, you can get one now for a couple thousand bucks. Oh, wow. I mean, you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, if this thing becomes mainstream, who knows what type of uh, what type of things we're going to see? I, I, I'm kind of hopeful it answers a lot of questions. But unfortunately, some things could become, you know, a little hairy if this does happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the old, uh, the old, uh, the trick of science, right? They first, they mm. first, they figure out if they can do it and then they figure out whether or not they should have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, absolutely. It's, it's yeah. a great afterthought. Wow. Lon, we had a quick question here. Um, Rachel gets it right. One of our chat mods says, I wonder if a tulpa could be possessed by a walk-in at sometimes vulnerable people are possessed by an opportunistic spirit. No, I, I think it's possible. Mm. I, I have never, I have never experienced that, but you know, when you're talking about tulpas and you're talking about, um, the Buddha religion, you know, and religions and, mm-hmm. you know, also Hinduism, uh, the, the um, you know, they, they use, t- Tulpas, the the monks use tulpas as part of their religion. Who knows? I mean, I guess that's a good question for one of them. Sure. But I I could see where it could actually happen. Yeah, I mean, it it makes sense that if they can if they can assume you know overpowering one energy, they could probably do the same thing in uh, in other uh, manifestations as well. So uh, we had another question in the chat from Rachel. She's like, I want to hear what he has to say about black eyed kids. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I have been tackling that phenomena for a long time now. Uh, when I wrote my alien disclosure book, I thought about putting them in there, but quite frankly, there's no proof of what they really are. I, I, I personally believe that they're they're pos- a possession mm-hmm. by non-terrestrial force, either extraterrestrial, ultra-terrestrial. Maybe even spiritual, but I doubt that. I, I I mean, it never seems to be something that continues to happen. It seems like it's something that happens for a period of time and then ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, you never hear anything about black-eyed kids, you know, constantly being seen, the right. same ones over and over and over. Right. Um, I think it's a, uh, I think it's a um, either situational. Or uh, you know uh, some type of short-term possession. Uh, it's something we never really figured out. You know, sure. this really started hitting hitting the paranormal uh, uh, world about 12, 13 years ago, mm-hmm. when David Weatherly started posting about it. And um, you know, I've talked to David about it over the years, and it's like. 
you know, we really don't know what it is. And, uh, it's something that continues. It probably isn't noticed as much now. I mean, we're getting black-eyed adults now, too. Mm-hmm. So maybe these these possessed people grew up and then they're being possessed for a short period of time as they're older. I don't know. But uh, it's a creep. It's a creepy thing um, where they try to uh, many times try to get people to do something for them or allow them to come into their homes or that they beg for food or need help. They're talking the phone. And when they're rebuffed, they kind of just back off. And um, it very rarely turns into something uh, more more serious than that but uh it's creepy it really is and many times it's not just one it's two three maybe even four Mm. uh, of these kids at one period of time so um yeah i i really don't have a good answer for it but that's my that's my thoughts on it you have so many people talking about the 411 phenomenon. Uh, they could either accidentally walk through something or something comes through, takes them. And- you you had mentioned uh, extraterrestrial. Of course, we know what that is, but ultra-terrestrial. Can you define that for me, please? Uh, basically, it, my, my theory of ultra-terrestrials are dimension- Dimensional okay. travelers. Uh, you know, when we had talked about uh, the unseen ones, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later, uh, those are all terrestrial beings. They're, um, they're not extraterrestrial. They're, they live on a dimension parallel to ours, okay. or they reside on a dimension parallel to ours. And I think, a lot of, I think there's a lot of dimensions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that are associated or linear to our dimension or Earth dimensions where there are other beings. And I define those as ultra-terrestrials. Do you think that that's where the the things like the pterodactyls and stuff are coming from? Or uh, Because that's kind of my thought. Is And, and again, it kind of plays along that same, that same idea <laughs> that there's this spate of sightings and then suddenly there's just nothing and there's no bodies. There's no, there's like, people aren't finding droppings or where these things fed or, you know, anything in the nature. And if it's like a pterodactyl, it wouldn't be cognition enough to go, Oh, that's people. I got to stay away from them. Or, you know, it would just be like eat, sleep, you know, poop, whatever, and just do its thing like any other wild animal. But, but these things seem to just kind of come and go. Yeah, I think most cryptids in general are ultra-terrestrial mm, beings. Uh, they, okay. They're dimensional travelers that are able to come through uh, some type of opening into our Earth plane. Mm. Um, you know, they're not they're not explained by science. They're not known. Uh, and I'm talking when I say cryptids, I'm talking about Bigfoot, anything that's you know, dog man, upright canines. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, wing beings, uh, any anything, and uh, I think that's that they're not necessarily indigenous. Maybe in some cases they are, but for the most part, I think those are ultra terrestrial beings. Oh, that's That's very interesting. And I, and I think, I, I think that, you know, I, I saw the video and I'm sure you have as well. 
because when you mentioned Dogman, I thought that was very interesting because I, after seeing the video of that of that uh, guy and I don't know where he was, Louisiana or somewhere that, or maybe he's in Illinois or something, but he's filming out his, he's doing a Facebook live and he's talking about this Dogman sighting. And then he goes and opens his back door and focuses, you know, to show people, look, this is my backyard. This wasn't me Photoshopping or something. And then he's filming. And as he's filming, there's this basically a very ethereal or ghostly like Dogman goes by and it's like, Oh my God! And the guy sees it, of course. You know the video I'm talking about, right? Is that the one? Mm-hmm. Is that the mm-hmm. one where it was running along the fence line yeah. in the back? Well, it's running along the the basically the looks like the power line. I don't know if okay. there there might be a fence line there too, but yeah, I found th- that I found very interesting because uh, as as I understand it, legendarily or at least in in some of the First Nations lore, the Dogman type being or, or a cryptid of that nature is the uh, protector of gateways or portals or something like that. Does that sound right? Yeah, I mean that's that's the theory. I mean uh, they're either you know they're either summoned somehow and then come through. Mm. Uh, this may have been something that he had. Ta- you know, I talked to Seth Breedlove last night mm-hmm. on my show, and he's you know he has started to experience. Uh, possible cryptids or ethereal beings because of uh, what he does, you know, in his films. And uh, that seems to be the case in a lot of situations where people who are actually uh, out there looking for these things and something shows up like that, like it's being summoned. Then again, you may be talking about a thought form, something that's generated unconsciously Mm -hmm. by the person out there looking. So, uh, yeah, that it could be the one I believe. Yeah. And I think that does, it also helps to at least lend some reason to the, to the, this myriad of creatures that people experience. It's not like it's just Bigfoot and Dogman and then, you know, a white walker or, uh, you know, something thrown in. It's, it's all the other things and skinwalkers, of course, but it's like the, the Loveland frog man and, and, uh, you know, all of these, these one-offs that, that have come through for a period of time and then just were done and, and just gone without a trace. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's, you know, I've been looking into this phenomenon for a long time now. Uh, I mean, ever since I had my encounter in my encounters. And um, that's what I believe it is. I, I, I believe a lot of times there are periods of time when some type of gateway or portal or something opens up. And uh, one of these ultra-terrestrial cryptids or beings are able to sneak through or to come through at will and to enter our world and uh we see them and of course they're fleeting for the most part Mm -hmm. we don't know where they go and uh maybe they'll show up at another time but very rarely are we able to sustain um uh sighting of them or follow them and such they just seem to disappear right now I had another thought, Lon, and, and since I've got you, I've got you cornered here, and <laughs> I've got you for at least another hour after this. Uh, I got to ask you your your thoughts on this, and I had a, I had a, an idea, and and maybe it's ridiculous, but I, I just try to understand. You know, my my quest in all of this 
is to try to come to understanding. I mean, this isn't just uh, just isn't a hobby for me. This is a, a you know I want to understand this because I think what we're seeing and experiencing in these many different phenomena are actually the breadcrumbs showing us the the truly amazing and dynamic nature of our reality. It's mm-hmm. like you know we're we're it's not just these hiccups or where where we have glitches in the matrix so to speak. But what I'm thinking is there must be a very natural network of perhaps portals or dimensional openings uh, and maybe they maybe they even like respirate like they're open for a period and then they close and then they're open and they close and maybe these creatures that utilize them uh, to come into our world know about them they have a culture mm-hmm. of these openings and and maybe to them it's like the subway oh yeah the number five's coming at three so we got to get down to the station you know kind of thing like they know where the openings are going to happen and close and so they can utilize those to maybe forage in our realm or, or whatever and then go back to their own or, or or you know what have you but what do you think of an idea like that no oh, i think that's entirely plausible every bit of it mm-hmm. i mean um uh, you have so many people talking about the f- missing 411 phenomena where, you know, people just seem to disappear. I think that's very possible. I think uh, they could either accidentally walk through something or something comes through, takes them and, and goes into the other dimension. Right. I think that's absolutely possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, my thoughts on this have become stronger and stronger as time has gone by because, Quite frankly, the cryptid world has become weirder and weirder. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, we we have less explanation for you know, these beings mm-hmm. as time goes on. I mean, we have not found bodies. We have not found real evidence. Uh, we find hair samples, scat samples, this and that. But other than that, you know, many of the photographic evidence is, is uh, questionable and, uh Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like we get sustained views of these things. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think this the, the theory of uh, them coming into other other dimensions, maybe not alternate rea- alternate realities, but other dimensions, I think is absolutely plausible. Yeah, I, I think there must be something to it because for the same reason, and and it's funny that you brought up that people go through because I can't tell you. I mean, I've I've covered dozens of stories on the show of people that were out in nature and turned a corner and suddenly they're in a whole different environment. Yeah. Like they 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 went from like a, a, a forest to a jungle or or something bizarre like that, and and oftentimes the first reaction is to backtrack and then they're where they should be. But mm-hmm. it, it would seem to illustrate that there's there's gateways, there's these openings that that happen, and uh, they just happen to be in that one instant at the perfect time for that to happen. Yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, if you know, you've been doing this as long as I have, and you know, get all these crazy stories and uh, reports and accounts, and try to disseminate what's actually going on, what people are describing, what they're experiencing. Uh, then when you're talking to people who have had what they consider lost time or alien abductions and this and that, you got to start thinking, well, a lot of this has to be connected somehow. Right. And, uh, I, I think most paranormal activity for the most part, and I'm talking hauntings, spiritual, uh, cryptids, aliens, extraterrestrial, I think there is a common thread with all of it. Yeah, I think there's too. I, and and it's funny that you mentioned that because that was another thing that I noticed is the bleed through. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. the fact that 
sometimes hauntings can be a lot like alien, uh, you know, experiences, and and there doesn't seem to be a lot of difference in many ways from one to the other. And sometimes I'm surprised people can come away with a conclusion like that was a ghost or that was uh, an extraterrestrial or something because the similarities are so shocking. Right. Well, when I first started working with David Eckhart mm-hmm. uh, back, oh God, it's been 12 years ago, maybe. Uh, when I started working with him, I, I thought for a long time that he was experiencing a haunting as opposed to uh, extraterrestrials coming through portals. Uh, I wasn't convinced. It, it took me. It took about six months for David to actually convince me through some of the evidence he collected that he was really experiencing uh, uh, abductions and experimentations mm-hmm. and, and such. And uh yeah, I mean, and I have been involved with cases before where, you know, people would describe a situation to me. And I'd go into it thinking, ah, well, this is a haunting and there's just something going on here. There's energies around, but they turn out to be something other than uh, spirit energy. Uh, many times I believe that there is some type of non, I'll say non-terrestrial energy uh, causing a lot of the activity. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I think um, there's a very fine line between uh, uh, the uh, a lot of this activity. And um, I think as time goes on, we're going to get closer and closer to understanding it. Though right now we just really have no clue as to what's going on. Isn't that something that's like, God, in none of these things, I don't think are very new, but I think what's new is, is the amount of interest people are taking in these subjects. Finally, like it's finally not a social suicide to say, Hey, I, you know, I believe in UFOs. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, when I started doing this 40 years ago, it was like, (laughs) you know, I, I tell somebody that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do a paranormal investigation. They'd look at you like you're crazy. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it, it's mainstream now. Of course, you got it all over the TV for the past decade or so. And, uh, you know, it's becoming more mainstream, you know, of course, with the Internet and everything. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if people thought I was nuts, I don't think. Uh, well, I may, they may still think I'm nuts, but I don't <laughs> think fans of monsters would do that well. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. And, and I got to I got to say that that raises a, an important uh, thing I think that those those shows are fantastic in that they they raise the they've raised the the possibility of having those discussions because they are they are popular shows these ghost hunting shows and stuff people love them yeah uh, and I think I think that probably most people have had some form of experience whether they acknowledge that in their lives or not and maybe that's why but now that people can have those discussions, what I think also is the liability of those shows is that people think that you know this stuff is just like you go like an amusement park ride, or you know what I mean. Yeah, that's that's my main beef with it. They're not realistic. I mean, right. you know, it's almost like every week you turn on to the show and something happens, and it just does not work out that way. Right. Um, you know, um, I, I've always been a critic of paranormal TV, though I've had. I've been on some episodes myself, <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, I, I can't necessarily sit there and watch it a lot of times. Uh, if I have a friend here or something, we'll sit there and watch it. But many times I'm sitting there shaking my head like, Oh God, <laughs> you know, but, uh, no, you know, I, I've got an open mind and, uh, you know, if something is seen on television that I, 
I believe is credible. I will give them credit. I really will. I, you know, but um, you know, now we're starting to have more cryptid subjects on television, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, they kind of run off the same vein. It's an entertainment. It's a vehicle, basically, and uh, you know, these companies are selling advertising, so they got to show something. Sure. Uh, so it's not always realistic. Right. Well, and also I think I, and I, I absolutely agree with you and they build up such hype for these shows that it's like, you know, I've watched some and I've went, well, it's like watching, it's like watching, um, the Island show. What show is Oh, that? Survivor or whatever? No, 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 no. Oh. The Island show. Oh, you're talking about Oak Island? Yes. Oh, yeah. That yeah. is so Yeah, good. they sucked me in every year for the past 11 years. <laughs> I know, and, and it's so anticlimactic. Oh, they found they found an, 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 a, a world yeah. a, a, a Civil War pen in a cabbage patch. I'm like, yeah. you've got to be joking me. I've waited. I've watched for this. And then there, when they followed up with the uh, uh, Knights Templars, I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. oh. oh but anyhow. Uh, you yeah, know, I'd be honest yeah. with you. I don't give a damn that you ever find any treasure on that. <laughs> I, I'm kind of more interested in the history right. aspect of it. Yep. Yeah. And uh, that's the most fascinating thing to me that, you know, this thing might have been uh, there might have been people going to this island right. for whatever reason for many centuries. So uh, that's the fun part for me. But I'm a history nut, so that you know that just goes to show. But uh, if they don't ever find a, a coin, I don't care. Right. <laughs> it well, doesn't you, matter to me. You know, and I think it's I think it's weird that they've had all of these these uh, uh, all these peoples come through that island one way or another, and yeah. they haven't. I have not heard any paranormal or any kind of stories come mm. off that island. I wonder if there's, I wonder if there's a reason for that, or if they're just not interested in that. Because I tell you what, if they come up with a season where they're chasing a ghost, it's going to go gangbusters all over <laughs> well, again. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I'm going to give you a little inside here. I know some folks uh, from the production company, and uh, there have been some weird things that happened on. Mm. Oak uh-huh. Island, even during the filming of this show. Right. Uh, and they're just trying to stay away from all of that. They don't even want any reference to it at all. But there have been some weird things that have happened there. Right. They're missing the boat, though. They could have the they could have the ghost adventures guys come over, and they could, oh, no, that's no, just like an say. old Scooby Doo no, no. show. No, they're, you know, I don't think the uh, I don't think the brothers are even interested in any of that. Right. Sure, yeah. uh, they're kind of running the show, and uh, of course, they own the island now. And uh, oh, uh, <laughs> you know, regardless of what anybody says, they own everything. Yeah. They basically oh. and. You know, Prometheus has been bankrolling this whole thing, so they're really not putting much of their own money out at this point. Oh. And uh, yeah, so you know, they're, Prometheus is making a ton of money off, and of course, History Channel—I think it's the History Channel—has it is just or Discovery or whatever. They're making a ton of money, so yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. going to keep going. They'll—they'll they'll never find anything as long as they're making money. <laughs> That's right. That's, That's a good right. point. Yeah, don't dig too deep this season. They, they, they make, yeah, they make more money with all the advertising and the and oh, everything yeah. than they would if they ever found anything. Because well, if they, they, ever, f- they found a treasure, all right. Oh, we found another gold coin. <laughs> another season. Oh boy. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I I absolutely agree. All of these shows sometimes are just out there. You mm-hmm. know, the 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 one, 
you know, the one with that guy on it that's, you know, more into his, you know, looks than anything else uh, and wearing his pants backwards or however that happens. But, <laughs> you know, I just get tired of a lot of these. Um, was it Amy Allen? Is that her name? Was that from the Dead Files? The, yeah, I think. That's yeah. The one. yeah I, 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 I like Amy Allen. I, I like, I'm I liking too. her. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, these other I do ones like her. I, I think she's pretty sincere. Um I've known Amy, Amy since she lived in Denver, and uh, she, I mean she's been around a long time. Sure. And uh, that show has done very well, but she um, she seems to be as sincere as anyone in 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 doing what she does, and uh, I uh, I think she's she's really serious about it. Mm-hmm. I I know it has taken a toll on her. Oh, right. I can only and you imagine. can see that. Right. Um, you know, being a medium is just not an easy thing. I know several mediums, and they all age. Yeah, oh, because yeah. of what they do. Sure. Yeah, when you're dealing with your own energies and then everyone else's too, that's got to be rough. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I can't imagine. guys thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show i hope you guys enjoyed it please feel free to follow us on facebook facebook.com slash paranormal portal radio as well as finding us on twitter we're on twitter at paranormal portal p-o-r-t-l and uh, we'd love to have you stop by our youtube page and subscribe and check out our shows there we got hundreds of shows journeys into the paranormal portal so i hope you'll check it out check it out guys we're over there at youtube.com slash paranormal portal so hope to see you guys soon uh we'll be back of course for more podcasts in the coming days so we love you all be good be kind be nice take care of each other help each other out find the magic in every day and remember to laugh as much as you can